Life, purpose, truth. Every day we ask ourselves the meaning of these words. To a lot, they are separate, but in reality they are one and the same. In this journey of life, we are in search of purpose and truth, but all we really need is Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. My name is Gabriela Undweche. Welcome to Truth. Welcome to MF. Hello, 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 beautiful people. How are you doing? How have you guys been? Compliments of the season. I feel like I'm going to keep on saying that till February. <laughs> because January is going to be, you know, New Year and all of that stuff. But yeah, compliments of the season, guys. I hope you all have been well. How have you been prepping for Christmas and New Year? I hope you have been writing down your New Year resolutions and goals. I have not, but I hope you have. I hope you have gone on your retreat. I mean, it is necessary for you to take a day or two to just, you know, hide from the world and spend time with your father to know how 2024 is going to be like for you what are the goals he has to set sorry what are the goals you have to set and all of that stuff you know a man can plan but if the plans are not in the will of god for his life it's just going to be a waste of time you know so you have to make sure that your plans are in alignment with that of god's plan for your life in 2024 so yes it is very essential that you go on a retreat i know a lot of churches are going for camps or they are probably back from their camps and stuff like that but it is necessary for you to have your own camp you know as an individual with god spend time with your father you know just you know even if he doesn't tell you anything about how your um new year is going to look like it is still important that you spend time with him and just you know be in his presence possibly just thank him for um bringing you to the end of another year a lot of people died but you are still alive and that is something to be thankful for so yeah if you have not gone on a retreat you should go for a retreat so yeah before I dive into today's episode, I will apologize for not um um what's the word for not releasing this on the day it was supposed to be released. One or two issues came up and I could not release the episodes at the right time. So you'll be hearing this on a Friday evening or afternoon and um yeah basically and the next episode will be released on saturday due to one issue or the other so yes i apologize i feel like i've been promising a lot and i have been feeling at that um I'm, i am sorry it is not intentional life just happens and when we make plans things happen and our plans end up being changed but what matters is that we still show up at the end of the day so yeah I'm still showing up. I'm still releasing this this week so that I won't leave this week without any you know, episode. So yeah, 
today's episode is um something very um dear to me because i feel like all the topics that i have been talking about in season two has just been revolving around my life about my work with god recently like it's not something that i just saw and decided let me just talk about this thing because it's you know a popular topic these things have been my reality they are my reality not even have been they have my reality you know from my testimonies to saved not solved to see finish all of these episodes have just been revolving around my life you know they were better from experiences i have gone through this year this month last month you know um they have been formed out of um, teachings that i have been getting from the holy spirit and from you know friends around me and spiritual heads so yeah um today's episode is um about submission to god although the title is are you jonah or mary a lot of people may be confused by that but hear me out before you you know wonder if this girl is crazy today's topic is about submission about submission to the will of god for your life or like you know just submitting to the will and the plans of god not just for your life but for any other person so now jonah if you are familiar with your bible stories you will know our wonderful guy prophet jonah who was um called by god to go to nineveh to preach to the people of nineveh so that he can repent but you know our wonderful prophet refused because he wanted the people of nineveh to perish and these guys were you know bad people they had done a lot of atrocities and jonah in his own right trying to be justifiable or trying to be you know a man of uprightness and all that is fair <laughs> believed that these people needed to die for their atrocities that god should not show them mercy you know and when it seemed like god wasn't changing his mind about these people the prophet decided to run to spain but um, that ended up causing issues for the people in the same in the same ship with him sorry in the same ship with him because god sent a very huge storm and stuff like that they had to cast lots to know who was bringing this bad luck upon them because they had never experienced such a storm before in all their years of sailing and when the lot was cast jonah found was found as the uh, the problem as the culprit and he told them, oh, he's running from God, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. They should throw him overboard. <laughs> and they threw my guy out of the ship and the storm became calm. And this man praised God. You know, I won't even lie. Like, before I even go into my, like, what I'm talking about in details, it's funny how, you know, Jonah was running away from preaching to people, but that whole scenario was just like an evangelism to those men in the ship because they ended up praising God. You know, 
they ended up praising God. They became so afraid of God and they offered sacrifices and they promised to serve God. If you read um, Jonah chapter 1 verse 15, verse 16, sorry. It was. It says in verse 16 that this made the sailors so afraid of the Lord that they offered a sacrifice and promised to serve him. Because immediately they threw this guy off the ship. The tempest became, like, the sea became calm. It became so calm and, like, <laughs> they realized that, ah, there is only one true God. There is only one true God and we should serve him with all of our might, all of our soul, all of our being. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if I'm the only one that saw that, but, like, my guy was running away from evangelizing to people. Him being thrown off board became an evangelism to other people so yeah god works in mysterious ways honestly but yeah um he gets thrown overboard god sends a big fish i don't know where we saw whale i don't blame us i mean half of us while we were growing up read the children's bible and i believe they wrote a big whale or I don't think they wrote a big whale. I believe the picture made us think it was a whale because in the Bible it was said a large fish was sent to swallow Jonah. Now we don't know if it's a whale or not, so let's not say God sent a whale. Let's not tell our children that God sent a whale. Yes, the whale may be the biggest fish in the world currently. I'm not so sure about that, but it could be, it could not. But the Bible says a large fish. Let's maintain that. Oh yeah, that's by the way. He sends a large fish to um, swallow Jonah. And while Jonah is in the belly of the fish, he prays to God. And God being merciful, um, he gets um, vomited out from the fish. And, you know, kind of like some... I think he was... Where he was um, thrown true wasn't even far from the universe so it didn't even take him like this then in it didn't take him a long time to get to Nineveh basically <laughs> trying to summarize the story because Jonah the book of Jonah is just in four chapters so it's in chapter two that he obeys God and he goes to preach to the people of in chapter three sorry that he obeys God to um preach to the people of Nineveh and these guys repented you know they repented <laughs> it didn't even take time these guys were remorseful although Nineveh was destroyed later on I can't remember what chapter of the bible what book of the bible not chapter what book of the bible but Nineveh ended up being destroyed because they turned back to their evil ways eventually Jonah still got what he wanted I doubt he was alive when Nineveh was destroyed <laughs> Baba would have been thrilled to see that they got destroyed but yeah that's what happened. They turned back to their old ways and they ended up getting destroyed eventually. But yeah, when when Jonah preached to them, they repented and yeah. Jonah was still angry about it because even though he had obeyed God, he was still upset with God because of the fact that God had told him to do this thing and God had shown mercy to these people. That deserved to die according to Jonah and um, 
Yeah, in chapter 4, you would see him ranting about um, how angry he was, how God's mercy and stuff like that just got him upset, yada, yada, yada. My guy was angry with God because God was merciful. And God was like, what gives you the right to be angry, you know? You're angry with a plant that you have no... um, Because Jonah, when Jonah preached to these people, he went out of the city... The weather was bad and God just brings out a plant that became a shade for Jonah. The next day, the plant dies. According from God's command, the plant dies. And Jonah was upset. You know, and God was like, this plant grew up in one night and disappeared the next. You didn't do anything for it and you didn't make it grow. Yet you feel sorry for it. You know, <laughs> and God was like, how much more then should I have pity on Nineveh, that great city? After all, it has more than 120,000 innocent children in it, as well as many animals. So God was counting, like unlike Jonah, God was looking at the bigger picture. You know, there are still innocent people in here who deserve a chance to to uh, choose me, to serve me, you know. Children that were born into slavery, not slavery, sorry, they were born into um idolatry, you know. This is all they've known. They are innocent. What they are doing is evil, but it is all they've known. They don't know a different God. And God counted them and there were up to 120,000 of them. Could be more, you know. So God was looking at the bigger picture. Like Jonah who was like, just kill them all. You know, they deserve to perish. Just like Sodom and Gomorrah. Now the difference is that in Sodom and Gomorrah, they were not even up to a hundred. They were not up to 50. They were not up to 10. They were not up to five. You know, they were not up to five. God just showed mercy on Lot and his family because of Abraham. Because of Abraham. You know, so that was... that case between Sodom and Gomorrah and Nineveh is completely different. God was looking at the bigger picture. There were more people here who were innocent, who were kind of righteous in his eyes, you know. So yeah, but we're not talking about <clears throat> the story of um, Nineveh and Jonah. We are talking about um, submission. So Lately, I have been feeling like Jonah, running away from God and running away from, you know, the things he has told me to do or the things he is telling me to do. And just like Jonah, I'm running away, yet when wherever I turn to, wherever I hide, wherever I decide to take refuge in, refuge in quotes, because... You can only find refuge and peace in God. But wherever my fake, you know, refuge, even in that facade, God is still like you. <laughs> you can run, but you can't hide. You can delay the time. But what I want you to do, you have to do it. You will not have peace until you do this thing. You know, you can't run away from me basically and so yeah i've just been like in this um rat cage or is it a guinea pig cage i don't know i think it's a guinea pig like like a um 
wheel that keeps rolling just keeps rolling i think it's a guinea pig or a lab rats kind of cage oh yeah a lot of us not just me a lot of believers are in that you know cage we are we think we're running but we are just in a circle we're just you know going up and down up and down in a circular motion we are not moving forward we're not moving backward we're just in the same spot because of a single disobedience because we have refused to obey god you know i refuse to submit to him i refuse to submit to him because apparently what he's telling us to do doesn't make sense we don't want it i mean it is not appealing to us to preach to the people of Nineveh was not appealing to Jonah. He wanted them to die, you know. God could be telling you to go and preach to your enemy. And you're like, this person should be born in hell. You know, you feel justified. Oh, this person is a bad person. This person did this, did that. You know, in the eyes of human beings, this person should, you know, be condemned. But in the eyes of God, no man is too far off. No man is too far gone from the mercy of God. Like, do you get? So, yeah, that could be the issue for you. God could be telling you to end the relationship. He could be telling you to drop out from school. I know what I'm saying. God has told some people to drop out from school. I'm not even exaggerating. I have heard things in this life. God could be telling you to um, repeat a course. Maybe you were supposed to be a first class second class upper student in uni and god is telling you that oh you're coming back to this school you're going to carry over you're going to spill a course or two and you're like eh <laughs> you're now looking for money that you used to block the course to pass so that you can leave the school because the school is hell you know you don't want to go back to disgrace and all of that stuff your family would be angry with you and all of that stuff you know plenty plenty um cases you know god could be telling you to leave your hometown and travel to your village because he wants to raise you he wants to english he wants to raise you as an evangelist there he wants to use you for mighty works there but you're like my village those people are diabolical those people would kill me our neighbor is a witch and she doesn't hide that do you understand you probably have valid reasons to not do what god is asking you to do but he sees the bigger picture he sees the bigger picture that thing could be something so precious to you you know it could be in all of your rights it's like that thing you're holding on to, that thing that you're refusing to do, could you probably have a valid reason for not doing it? Do you understand? You know, you probably have a valid reason for not. I mean, who wants to spill? I mean, even the unserious students don't want to spill. That's why they look for ways to block courses so they can graduate from the university. Not imagining you who put in the work, you didn't do expo, you read, you did all your CAs. I mean, you put in your best. You were good to your lecturers. <laughs> and then the result comes out and you're having two courses that you are carrying over. You're spilling. And God is saying that, oh, there's somebody I wanted to preach. <laughs> it's crazy, you know. It doesn't make sense. 
it doesn't make sense. You know, God is telling you to go to your village to be an evangelist. These people are evil. But God sees the bigger picture. He's telling you to end a relationship and to you like this person has been with you through thick and thin. This person has been your friend. This person has been your confidant. This person has provided for you. This person has supported you more than your own family. And God is saying, end relationship. Leave this person. This person is not your wife. This person is not your husband. End it. And you're like, how? How? <clears throat> I spent how many years with this person? How many months with this person? What do you mean I should leave this person? How? God sees the bigger picture. You're <clears throat> excuse me. You probably don't see what he sees. But he knows the future. He knows that when you do this, when you do this, you are not going to cry. You may cry at that point. But in the long run, you'll be glad that you obeyed him, that you submitted to his will for your life. Do you understand? Now, when, oh, I'm sorry, how Mary comes into this. Now, I'm talking about the Mary that um, used her hair to wipe the feet of Jesus. A lot of people, a lot of people say that is Mary Magdalene. I don't know. Um... I'm not so, let's say, I'm not so um, vast in the Bible to beat my chest and say that's Mary Magdalene because in different um, books of the Bible, you see just Mary, some refer to her as Mary Magdalene. But yeah, Mary, the woman that we all talk about who used her hair to clean the feet of Jesus. And, excuse me, I... I got that um I got that from John chapter 12 verses 1 to 8 and this was in I didn't just read this on my own I didn't I wasn't reading my bible and I stumbled upon this I know this story you know I I know it's at the back of my head you can meet me and be like oh, what what do you know about the woman that cleaned her used her head to clean the feet of Jesus I will tell you the story I will even quote some little little parts of it because it was a popular story you know but they gave us an assignment. Uh, our pastor gave us an assignment in church, and we were told to bring out the themes from this um, particular verse and to relate it with our spiritual work, with our work with God. And I read it for the first time in a long time, and I saw a lot of things, a lot of things, a lot of themes in this um, particular verse, but. One of the things that was ringing or one of the things that God was highlighting, like it was unread, like it was flashing, flashing, like a notice, like notice, this is important, note this, was submission. Now, if you are conversant with the Jews, like the, the Hebrew people, they are culture and heritage and all of that you will know that a woman's hair is like her glory her honor her dignity like <laughs> a woman getting bored or going bored or they like they go they cut her hair or something like that is a way of dishonoring her you know you're supposed to cover your hair because you know you're a woman of honor 
basically that is the hebrews people's uh, religion the culture so <laughs> and if you know how burial rites are done for them that burial ritual the person's body is washed thoroughly cleansed you know they wash the person's body and like wrap the person and put the person in tomb sometimes they have to run after washing the body they rub ointment on the person's body you know just to kind of preserve the body and give it a nice fragrance so that when it decomposes it's not doesn't smell that bad stuff like that or they soak the cleaning into like perfumes you know scented oils that's like their ritual for burial the burial ritual <clears throat> the jewish ritual, burial ritual burial ritual english <laughs> sorry so yeah the woman's hair is her honor and they thoroughly wash and anoint um, anoint the dead body a person in the jewish tradition so if you read that um chapter very well that from verse 1 john 12 1 to 8 mary bought a very expensive oil expensive oil now when i converted that the amount of that oil to naira <laughs> it like that's 300 um, silver coins i converted it to naira that was 4222 naira now it's expensive i mean to some people it's not but it's expensive it is expensive you know you break that oil on somebody's leg leg not body leg the person's feet you broke oil of 4000 4k in this economy on somebody's feet yeah i kind of understand um judas iscariot's anger because i mean if i bought an expensive oil of that amount and my siblings threw it on the floor or just poured it on their feet at once i would scream i would cry and i would probably commit murder I'm not even joking. It's expensive. It is expensive. I remember I bought bio oil. Um, I got bio oil for 4,500 naira. And I was using that oil. Little by little. And it was fake. I bought a fake product for the same price. Of the original. I knew it was fake. But I bought it anyway. I didn't know it was fake when I got it. It was when I got it, I realized it was a fake product. But then I was still using it because it had a nice smell and I liked it. I was using it to rub my body. I used that oil for like almost four months. It was it's a tiny bottle, tiny bottle, 4,500. So imagine someone taking that bio oil. It's fake. But I know that I spent four or five on it. I spent 4,500 and you now put <laughs> I would kill somebody I'm not even joking ah you and I would keep malice for a year until you buy back that oil for me so I kind of understand where Judas's character was coming from even though that was all him being just and that was him just being a hypocrite and you know being a thief and a liar but that's we're not talking about Judas we're talking about Mary 
So Mary broke the jar of the ointment on Jesus' feet and used her hair, her hair, to clean his feet, to wipe his feet. Now, if you move forward to um, the next chapter, that is John 13 verse 5, Jesus washed the feet of his um, disciples and um, whenever a guest comes to a person's house, I think during um, Shabbat, that's Sabbath day, or the, I think the Passover, I, can't, I don't know which of the festivities, but one of the festivities, when a visitor comes into a house that is in Hebrew, you know, in Israel, when they come, when you come to the a person's house, the host would wash the feet of his guests. And that is like taking the position of a servant. That is like a way of serving. Cleaning the feet of anyone would be you taking the position of a servant. I believe Jesus said that in verse 5 in John chapter 3. So Jesus took the position of a servant when he decided to wash the feet of his disciples. Now Mary used her honor to be a servant. She used her hair to wipe the feet of Jesus and she anointing his feet. Jesus said that she was doing um, something that she needed to be done for his burial. She was anointing him for his burial. It's a lot of mysteries, a lot of, you know, like we read this every day, but we probably don't see it. And the instruction was to read it prayerfully and get things and prayerfully related to our spiritual work. So I didn't just get this by just looking at it, the Holy Spirit. And I had a conversation about this and these were things he pointed out to me. She used her honor. Washing feet is position of a servant. You know, anointing a person's body is a ritual for burial. So, it was just so fascinating. And it was like, when she did all of this, she was submitting to him. She was being a servant. She was submitting to Jesus. She was humble. Not every woman would decide to take her honor and clean the feet of a man who is not her husband. Let's even start from that. Jesus was not her husband. He was nothing to her but her. Well, he was everything to her but like using uh, you know, worldly worldly view. Jesus was nobody to her. You know, he did not deserve that um, kind of treatment. But she was sensitive in the spirit enough to know that this man is not just a man, he is God in flesh. She didn't understand what she was doing, but her spirit was in tune. The Holy Spirit gave her that wisdom to know that this man is about to die. Let me do this as a form of submission to him, to show him that I do not just love him by following him. I love him by willingly giving myself to him, by submitting all that makes me a woman to him. So that was the highest form of submission. Now, although Mary was not told to do this, in her spirit she was. The Holy Spirit told her to do this. She 
was remorseful for her sins. She was grateful to God for saving her life. And she was like, I'm going to do this. I will anoint his feet with my hair, with this expensive oil. And I will use my hair to wipe his feet. She probably cried, you know, when she was doing that. And it just showed that, it just shows how broken she was in spirit and how humble she was. I don't think any girl of this day and age would use her hair to clean the feet of any man. I mean, if it's your, if it's your husband, you probably think it twice. You know? Or you would carry your 150 Vietnam Bone Street. I don't know if Vietnam, there's anything called a Vietnam Bone Street, but like, like Bone Street is probably up to 150k. And they will tell you to use that hair to clean somebody's leg. Ah. <laughs> hey. Nah, when you're not crazy. Eh? When you're not crazy. Do you understand? So it was. And one thing about the people of Israel is that they are very symbolic. They are very. um, Like things that you would look at and you would not see any other meaning to it to them it has a lot of meaning it has a lot of symbols there are a lot of hidden mysteries to these little little things that they do you know so it was i don't know it's a very fascinating thing that mary submitted to god at that point like i don't know how to explain it like in my head, it's make it makes so much sense in my head, but like trying to say it out, it's I can't. I don't know. The Holy Spirit will have to give me um, utterance to be able to explain it. But it was a very beautiful thing, and Jesus said it that till date we will be talking about her, and it's twenty twenty three. This happened how many millions years ago? Like, how long was this? very very long time a very very long time you were still talking about that sacrifice that she made even when every other person kind of mocked her for doing that she did it because that was the will of god for her life at that season at that point that was what god wanted her to do and even when it wasn't making sense to any other person, even when it looked crazy, it didn't like <laughs> it was crazy, but yet she did it. So now the question is, are you Jonah or are you Mary? Are you going to be the prophet who would run away from his destiny, run away from the will of God or would you be in sync with the Holy Spirit and do what he needs you to do at a particular time, a particular season? Because truth be told, the grace of God is sufficient. I'm not even going to lie. God is a merciful and gracious God. But that grace will elapse. He gives grace for a certain period, for a certain season. If he tells you, go to your village and evangelize, there is a grace for that. But you can delay and drag and drag and drag and that grace goes out. It elapses. And what you and even if you eventually go, 
it will not be as productive as it would have been if you had gone when that period of grace was still on. I don't know if that makes sense. I strongly believe if Jonah would have gone to Nineveh maybe a month or a week later after God had, you know, done that. If he had not been repentant and he had stayed in the belly of the wheel for like a very long time and he eventually did. I don't think that mass repentance would have happened. I strongly believe that. I could be wrong. But I strongly believe that mass repentance wouldn't have happened if he had wasted time to go. Sometimes there are things that God wants you to do. There is an urgency to it. If you don't do it at that time, the grace will not be there. And you won't be able to do it again to maybe another 10 years, another 5 years, another 3 years. So yeah, if God has been telling you to do something and you have been running in circles, don't you think you are making headway? I'm here to tell you that you are running in circles. You are not going anywhere. You're like that rat in the lab that they put in a cage who just keeps rolling, running on that wheel. Up, down, up, down. You are just running in circles. And very soon you will get dizzy and you would fall. Like big fall. So if you have been running in circles, it is time for you to stop running. Repent, just like how Prophet Jonah did. Repent. You, there is no, you can't run from God. He owns the universe. He sees everything. He knows where you go. He knows where you sleep. He knows who you talk to, what you are thinking in your head. He knows when you decide that you are not going to do that thing. He knows. But if you give you the opportunity to tell him that you are by yourself, he will give you the opportunity to, to be foolish. <laughs> If I may use that language, he will give you the opportunity to be silly. But he won't force you. Well, he can. I'm not even lying. I mean, he kind of forced Jonah into that will, into that fish's belly, not will, sorry. But then does he have to force you, though? That's the question. Do you have to be forced to do something or do you just do it because you love God? Mary wasn't forced to use her hair to clean the feet of Jesus. She loved God and she did that to show him how much she loved him. When you love someone, you submit to them. You humble yourself before them. You don't care if your ego is being trampled on. You submit and you submit totally to that person. You humble yourself. You become low. Not stupid. Not stupid. A lot of people misplace, um, mistake um, humility for stupidity. That's they are two different things. Humility is not stupidity. Stupidity is not humility. Know the difference, please. Becoming low doesn't mean become stupid. That you cannot see when somebody is just bullying you. Because there are crazy people out there. So just know, if someone is bullying you. Don't say because you're trying to be humble. Stand up for yourself. God was not a coward. God, Jesus was not a coward. And he is not a coward. He never was. He never will. You know. So yeah. God did not give birth to. Um, he didn't raise goats. Or cows. Or sheeps. 
I don't know. I don't know the best way to explain it, but he didn't raise cowards. So please don't. Nah, don't don't do that. A lion gives birth to a lion. You are a lion. I just have to say that because I used to be in that case where I was foolish. I was, you know, every people bullying me. All in the fake facade of being humble. Don't do that to yourself, please. You can lose yourself and think that God is evil. Whereas it's that person who you know needs to submit to God more so that it can be changed. You are just a victim in you know their stubbornness. So yeah, that's that's by the way. Submit to God. It's 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 not easy. What he may be telling you to do may be hard, but he sees the bigger picture. He sees that one twenty thousand people that you are not seeing. He sees that beautiful marriage that you are not seeing. Excuse me. He sees that um, multiple awards you will get from spending that extra year in school. He sees those people who will become ministers for for him because you just, you know, stayed that extra year in school and you evangelized to that one person or two persons in the whole semester. You know, probably you just walked out one day and you saw someone and you go said, speak to this person and you speak to them and five years from now, that person becomes a very big man or woman of God. You wouldn't have met that person if you had not spent that extra year in school. His ways are not our ways, but his ways are always the best. You know. So, I will leave you with this question again. Are you Jonah? Or are you Mary? Are you going to be rebellious? Or are you going to submit to the will of God even though it doesn't make sense. Wow, what an episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you did, please share your thoughts with us on our email, emmetpod at gmail.com. That is emmetpod at gmail.com. Do not forget to subscribe if you haven't. Share with your friends and family and please rate the podcast. Have an amazing weekend. See you next Thursday. Bye.